welcome to the Motorsport Coaching Podcast, sponsored by Motivate Training and Management. This is the podcast where we talk to drivers and industry experts to help you maximize your performances on and off the track. Let's get started with today's show. Hello, crew, and welcome to episode 132 of the Motorsport Coaching Podcast. Today, we are joined by our great friend, Lockie Mansell. Some of you may know him as the 2021 Beauty and the Geek Australian Women. Some of you may know that over the last 12 months, he's been having experience as producer on Australia's number one breakfast radio show, The Carl and Jackie O Show. But most of you may know him as the owner of the Checker Flag Media and Motorsport Commentator. We love Lockie. He's been a previous guest. He's also been a guest speaker within our free Motorsport Fitness, Motorsport Sponsorship Facebook group, although we do have a fitness group as well, uh, where he's shared his love and knowledge, not only around public relations, but around commentating. Um, In today's episode, you're going to hear about what is public relations, how to get started, some tips around about getting some more exposure um, that are free and easy for you. We are also got our media masterclass. It's been rescheduled with the beautiful Philippa Garana, which Lucky also makes reference to. Philippa's media masterclass will be happening on Monday, the 14th of November at 7 p.m. Australian Standard Time. So if you're interested, again, those details will be in today's show notes. And very excited that in 2023 we'll be starting our live sponsorship workshops back up again winning sponsors workshops will be coming to the east states of australia for a one-day workshop or it's an interactive workshop where you'll come away with a 2023 sponsorship strategy so for more information again race over to today's show notes and find the links to register i do hope you enjoyed today's show notes a show (laughs) of course we'd love it if you could take a photo upload it to your preferred social media platform and tag us in at motivate t um and uh, yeah if you're loving the show if you can race over and also put a feedback um on your preferred platform that would be greatly appreciated thank you team speak to you next week hey lucky welcome back to the most what coaching podcast hi belinda thanks for having me again it's been a while since i've spoken to you but good to be back yeah, the last one was 2018 or before COVID. But before we get there, for those who don't know you, tell us a little bit about who you are. Well, in the motorsport industry, I'm best known as the owner of Checkered Flag Media, which does media and PR work for a variety of drivers, teams, events and categories. But those outside the motorsport industry probably know me a bit better from my reality TV appearance on Beauty and the Geek in 2021 and subsequently my role with the Kyle and Jackie O show on KISS 1065 FM here in Sydney. Yes, we're going to go through all of that. I'm so excited to hear about all that journey so far. So what's been happening since 2018? Obviously for a lot of people, COVID happened um, and some businesses um, spied and some exploded. Um, Your brand and checkered flag and... um, Everything seemed to go up for you. So what's happened since 2018? Uh, yeah, well, 2020 and, and 2021 was certainly a couple of interesting years. 2020 was a very challenging year for me, both personally and professionally. I, I think that 
on the professional side of things, like a lot of people who had businesses that were reliant on the motorsport industry, they took quite a, a severe hit to their income stream because obviously there was a period there of a few months when motorsport shut down pretty much completely. And yeah. towards the end of 2020, I was fortunate that some of my clients are involved in state-level racing in New South Wales. And to be honest, one of the things that we saw at the end of 2020 and also throughout 2021 is during those periods of lockdowns and border closures where interstate travel in many cases just wasn't possible, state-level motorsport was the first thing to, to actually come back because people could race within their state but were not necessarily able to travel interstate. So uh, here in New South Wales, for example, we saw that the, the New South Wales Production Touring Car Championship, the New South Wales Formula Ford Championship and some of those other state-level categories actually became stronger because a lot of the drivers that would normally race in national-level motorsports didn't want to just get out on the track and go racing. So they gravitate towards the state-level categories. So... I think probably the best example is Tom Sargent. So front-running competitor in National Formula Ford. There was no National Formula Ford in 2020, so he raced in the New South Wales State Championship, which he ended up winning. Yeah, it was an exciting time. And I remember back in 2020, I did have you back on the show and you were doing some sim racing commentary. Are you still involved in all of that? Or was that just a, a little pivot whilst we were during COVID? To be honest, it was more of a pivot during COVID and I, I don't think we should forget or underestimate the role that sim racing did play during the COVID period. It was a very valuable method for particularly at the top level of supercars racing for teams to continue to promote their sponsors and, and make sure that the sport continued to be in the, the public domain even while real life racing wasn't possible but also just from a mental health perspective, while we were all locked up in our homes and not able to go out and socialise, sim racing, whether it was competing or, or commentating like myself, it was a good opportunity for us to interact with other people. So <laughs> I, I think it had some mental health benefits as well. Um, I think for me and my business, it was just a pivot because while it was a lot of fun and while it was something to keep us occupied, the, the financial returns were not great, if I'm being brutally honest. So, you know, it was a bit of fun. It was good to occupy us for that period. But I think that, you know, <laughs> as, as, a, as an income stream, it was not a replacement for the real thing, that's for sure. Fantastic. So fair to say you're not doing it anymore. I mean, you've got so much else going on, which is fantastic to hear. So for those that are new to motorsports, tell us a little bit about what is PR, what is public relations and what kind of services do you offer? Yeah, so the, the PR stuff that I'm involved in, um, it includes a range of different activities, but it's basically all geared towards allowing the client, be it a, a racing driver, a category, you know, or, or an event, uh, promote itself or, or promote themselves, um, you know, creating content to be published online or on social media platforms, 
generating publicity through either motorsport specific or mainstream media outlets. So, for example, feeding media releases and feeding stories to within the motorsport domain outlets like Auto Action and Speed Cafe, but also to the wider mainstream media as well. So just to give you an example, I'm quite heavily involved with the Benalla Auto Club and Winton Motor Raceway, so tapping into some of those mainstream television and newspaper and radio outlets in regional Victoria to achieve coverage for, for those sorts of events as well. Awesome. And why is it important for a motorsport athlete maybe that's looking to progress from make, racing as a hobby into a career to um, invest in doing PR? Well, I think there's a couple of things. So the most obvious one is that we all know that motorsport costs money and, um, you know, if you're a young aspiring racing driver, then chances are you're going to need some commercial support from sponsors. So if you can demonstrate to potential sponsors that you're in the spotlight and that you have a profile and that you're achieving publicity for yourself, then that's going to make your, you more attractive to potential sponsors. And I think the other thing as well is as you, you climb the ladder, it's important to have relationships with media outlets so that they already know who you are uh, by the time you're you're starting to reach those, you know, professional or semi-professional levels of the sport so that, um, you know, they're, they're reporting on you in, in preference to reporting on other drivers. I mean, you know, motorsport is a competitive sport, so everybody's trying to beat each other on the track, but there's also the, the off-track battle in trying to beat your rivals for gaining publicity as well. And can you recommend any resources that people can review or access around about getting started with PR? Um, do it themselves if they don't necessarily have like the investment right now to to engage with someone like yourself. Yeah, and I think that there are probably some some basic tips that I can give people. So, uh, you know, in terms of drivers who want to write their own media releases, for example. One of my good friends, Philip Iguana, actually has the, the media master coach business, which has a lot of resources that she's made available to people to show them how they can do it themselves. But, um, you know, journalistic and news right. Sorry, look, she was on episode two episodes ago. So um, I'll, put, I'll put a link to uh, Philippa's um, <laughs> podcast because it's also got the links to all of those free resources around to get starting in media. Um, yeah, I'm very happy to recommend her because she's very experienced and very good at what she's done. But I still think that particularly if you're really serious about a professional career, and I'm talking here specifically about drivers that, it is worth engaging a PR professional because being able to write in a proper journalistic or news style is something that takes a lot of time and, and a lot of skills to, to build up. So one of the things that I pride myself on is being able to write media releases that news outlets can basically copy and paste. It's written as a news story and it's written in such a style that if you were to copy it absolutely verbatim and publish it as an article, it would make sense. So, you know, the proper structure with the most important or the, the key news angle in the first paragraph, including quotes that are relevant, making sure that there's good 
supply of high-resolution images that media outlets can use as well as part of the story. Mm -hmm. All of those things, making sure that you've got it packaged up so that the, the relevant media outlet that you're sending it to can just have a, a story that's ready to go. Because just the way that the media landscape has evolved, and this is not just motorsport media, it's the wider mainstream media, is that journalists are under more and more pressure to produce more stories. In many cases, they're under-resourced. So if you can give them, a, you know, a simple, powerful story with a strong news angle and with everything that they need, it reduces their workload. So they're more likely to give it a run. So I guess what's really important there, what you're saying that um, before around um, promoting your sponsors into a great platform is that when people are looking for sponsorships and working out their budgets for the upcoming race season, that possibly to actually um, foster in the cost of having a PR expert to, to provide this service for them. So again, it's one less thing they have to worry about um, and if they can certainly get the funds to, to support that, um, I guess, outsourcement, um, then they should certainly do that. A hundred percent. And probably the other thing that I would say is that if you are getting articles written about yourself or you're getting interviewed on television or radio, make sure that you keep those recordings or articles on file because you can add that to a portfolio that then becomes part of something that you can present to a potential sponsor to demonstrate the amount of coverage that you've had. I love that tip. Thanks, Lockie. You mentioned earlier that 2020 was big, but 2021 was massive. Um, tell us about what happened in 2021 and how did that experience all come about? And was it the touch of your PR that got you there? Yeah, well, look, I mean, 2020 was a tough year with the whole COVID situation and it was probably a, a bit of a... Um, not point. one of one, not one of yeah, it was a low point. It was not one of the best years of my life. I, I think it was <laughs> a year where I identified that without my motorsport business, there wasn't a lot going on in other areas of my life, particularly in terms of my social life. So I felt like I needed a change. And uh, a couple of my my friends actually sent me the link to apply for Beauty in the Geek. So. Mm -hmm. I mean, to, to be honest, at the start of the process, I didn't really even take it that seriously. It was a written application, which I just filled out. But uh, to my surprise, the casting producers got in touch with me and started with a one-on-one, -on -one, uh, like a video interview with them. That then progressed to me going into the studio for an in-person audition. And then there were a couple of other processes and procedures that I had to go through. But uh, just after New Year's 2021, so early January, I was told that I was in and that I was going to be on the shows. So films, Beauty in the Geek, late February and pretty much all of March. It was a, a six-week filming process. And then the show obviously aired in July and August 2021. And, uh, you know, everybody probably knows the result that myself and my lovely partner, Kira, were fortunate fortunate enough to to end up winning the show which was just amazing I mean the whole thing was an unbelievable experience one of the best things that I've ever done and just the doors that it's opened up for me both personally and professionally 
because then beyond what I could have imagined. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> um, I've got so many questions. I don't really know which one to start with. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, yeah, so tell us about the time. Uh, I think you're saying about maybe like a little bit about that personal journey that you went from. So obviously a lucky, really quite low point. Um, obviously within 12 months at the end of August, it was a quite a high point. But what kind of things did you find out about yourself about going on this reality TV? Um, do you... Um, identified to be more of an introvert so like was it hard uh, obviously we know you to be a most commentator so you're quite often behind the scenes of things um how did you go coming out or being on camera and stuff like that um yeah well to be honest being on camera or, or talking on camera that wasn't so bad because working in the media it was already something that I was used to but I think it was just other things that I discovered about myself, certainly when it comes to the more social situations. I think that before going on beauty and the gig, those in the motorsport industry would have seen me as a reasonably confident guy, someone who was able to get behind the microphone and, and call races. But what a lot of people probably didn't realise is that while I, I have this confident persona that I adopt when I'm behind the microphone at a racing event in the more one-on-one -on -one social situations I could be quite shy and reserved and introverted so beauty in the gate definitely helps me come out of my shell um definitely it has expanded my dating options and opportunities as well I, I think before beauty in the gate I'd never had a girlfriend before or been in a proper relationship but after the show that side of things has definitely opened up for me um and, and just the, the public recognition as well. So, you know, after Beauty and the Gate finished and, and still to this day, everywhere I go, people always recognise me as well. So just my personal profile has received this massive boost that I, I never would have imagined. Well, I did follow your social media obviously beforehand and knew how many followers you had prior to going on to the show and now see after the show. Do you know exactly how many followers or fans you've um, gained now since being on the show, roughly? Um, it's a lot. So I, I think before going on the show I had what, 1,000 or 1,200 <laughs> Insta followers. It's now up around the 37,000 mark. So it's yeah. definitely blown up, that's for sure. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, but I also feel like, obviously, with your social media content, um, you're showing us a lot more about yourself, like you're cooking dinners or getting ready to go out. And was the, had your content creation, I guess, changed since um, I, I think, obviously, that's come with confidence as well. But, yeah, have you now got that confidence still that you feel, you know, that you can open up more about your life, whereas before it was just all motorsports? A hundred percent. I think that... Um a couple of things so before going on view here in the gate my social media platforms were really only for my family and friends whereas post beauty in the gate obviously it's now become a, a much more public platform so I've had to treat my own social media with a lot more structure I suppose in terms of what I post so um you know, because it's sort of I've gone from being just an ordinary person to it's now an an influencer or a content creator. So, yeah. you know, and that that obviously opens up some opportunities for me to do some work with some brands, and and that's created another source of income for me as well. So, 
I've had to change the way that I've approached managing my own social media. Like I say, it's had to be more structured. And the other thing as well is when you look at the demographics of my social media followers, 70% of them are female. So (laughs) it's fair to say that a lot of them are not motorsport fans. So it's not good enough for me to just post motorsport content anymore because a lot of that's not really going to resonate with the target audience. So I've had to produce a, a much wider variety of different content and I've had to talk about subjects other than motorsport. I've had to talk about, you know, my other interests like cooking or my dating life or, you know, going on holidays. Or... <laughs> <laughs> you still don't share a lot. <laughs> That's the most common question, but, yeah. but yeah, sorry, like holidays yeah, and you're cooking, you love your Thermomix, I love my Thermomix too. Yeah. Um. Yeah, and I mean, Thermomix is one of the brands that I've actually been able to work with now as well. So, <laughs> I didn't know that was a sponsored thing. I was just to see you cooking. I thought you just enjoy it because I love the tool itself. So that's fantastic. Um. So yeah. So that's been awesome. Awesome. And so when you did win, you said that you're going to put the money towards work. Um. And you during the process, you hired what staff member what's checker flag media looking like now um obviously you've done radio and we'll come back to radio in a minute um Mm. but how have you used that investment to to help with the business um yeah to be honest the the money didn't so much go into the business that more went into some other investments outside of my business Mm -hmm. you you are right i did have young ryan jones working for me he actually came on board while i was away filming beauty in the gate to help me look after my clients during that period where I was obviously offline and couldn't attend any events or, or do anything like that because the the filming processes you you literally go off grid you know there's six weeks where you you're not actually part of society so uh, Ryan came on board to help with that uh, he's since gone out on his own with his own business which is really good um, at the moment I'm sort of just assessing with the business where things are at. I mean, I don't think I'll ever get out of the motorsport side of things altogether, but one of the things I've discovered, and this segues into the radio work that I've done with the Kyle and Jackie O show, is that the world is a lot wider than just the motorsport industry. I think... I'm really lucky. Who <laughs> <laughs> <Good> knew? <laughs> Those of us who have worked in the motorsport industry for a long time can very easily fall into the trap of that being the only thing that we're involved in. But I I think one of the things that I've definitely learned over the last 18 months is that there is a lot more to life than motorsport. And there's other things that I'm interested in and other opportunities that I want to pursue that are not necessarily restricted to the domain of motorsport. So... You know, the 12 months experience that I had working with the Kyle and Jackie O show really opened my eyes to the wider media landscape in, in a way that I hadn't really been exposed to previously. So let's touch on that fantastic point that um, I don't know if it was just a, a fortunate event that you got that role, but tell us about how you got working with the Kyle and Jackie O'Shea, the number one radio show in Australia. Obviously, we love you in the motorsport community and no doubt they fell in love with you just as quick, um, probably doing an interview there after the show. But tell us how you got there and what was that experience like over the last 12 months? 
So it all started with one of the challenges on Beauty in the Geek. So episode three of Beauty in the Geek, which stage I'm still partnered with Josie, we had to host our own live radio show, which was filmed in the KISS 1065 studio where Kyle and Jackie O broadcast from. So Josie and I got thrown into the deep end. We had to basically host a live radio show with 30 minutes of preparation and there were these obstacles that got thrown at us like if those of you who watched the show might remember that they threw her a sports report so on the spot I had to come up with a, a very spontaneous sports report I reckon it's the first time that a radio sports report has ever started with motorsport <laughs> That's um, right. but Josie and I ended up winning that challenge and just after that episode aired, Kyle and Jackie O had me on their show for an interview. And one thing led to another. And again, we're talking late 2021 when it's COVID and we're all in lockdown and there's not a lot of motorsport happening. And they actually offered me the opportunity to work with them as part of their production team. Originally, it was only going to be for one week. That then <laughs> turned into two weeks, which then turned into a month, which turned into three months which turned into six months and uh, ultimately 12 months. Wow. How'd you go with the early mornings? Are you an early morning person? That was a struggle. Um, Probably the biggest thing was that it was still, it was really only a casual or part-time role. So I'd get up at four in the morning. I'd be in the studio by 5.30. I'd work from 5.30 through until normally about 11.30 because the show airs from from six in the morning until normally it finishes at about ten or ten thirty. But then there's still work that you do after that in preparation for the next day. And then I was getting back home, and I was still having a lot of work to do on my business as well. So it made for very long days, but it was definitely worth it because it was just such a fantastic experience. You know, the opportunity to to see what goes into producing such a high-rating show, the opportunity to mingle with and interact with other celebrities. So, for example, I, I became quite good friends with some of this year's Married at First Sight contestants like Domenica and Ella and um, Al as well. So, you know, cool getting to rub shoulders with those sorts of people. Um, and the way that the show is structured is that the, the people working in production get a fair bit of airtime as well. So typically I was on air with Kyle and Jackie O a fair bit as well. So, again, it was good for maintaining my profile off the back of Beauty and the Geek. Awesome. I also heard, I mean, I'm based in Victoria, so we don't have it um, down here as pro- predominant um, radio station. But, yeah, I heard some uh, online of the things that were making you do. <laughs> Yeah, definitely got me out of my comfort zone, even more so, I think, than Beauty and the Geek. So, uh, yes, some of the segments that they had were were way out of my comfort zone. So you have recently finished up there. Um, was the reason that you finished there predominantly what you just said around about just the, the, long, the long days and your motorsport work? Or was it because now you're such an influencer and you've got all of these followers and yeah, all these different opportunities that you don't have to get up at 4am in the morning um, that you can do more social media content or um, be an ambassador for other businesses and get paid quite well. 
Yeah, I think probably a, a combination of things. I think that, yeah, the long days were starting to, to take their toll a bit. Um, I felt like 12 months was a good amount of time to be there and learn everything that I needed to learn. I they didn't offer you your own show? Well, I, I had it for one week. So yeah. there was a promotional thing that they did locking live, which was from the 5 a.m. to 6 a.m. time slot last year, but that was only a one-week thing. But it was a lot of fun. Um, yeah. Uh, but I, I think that I, I'm, I'm big on staying true to yourself and mm-hmm. I think that if I'm being perfectly honest with myself, some of the content that gets talked about on the show probably doesn't quite align with my particular interests or values. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I mean, people who listen to the show will know that a lot of it is talking about sex stuff and I'm not necessarily all that comfortable or confident with having to talk about my sex life in in such a public domain. So I I think that was part of it as well. But anyway, it was, like I said, it was definitely worth it for the experience. Awesome. So you're back in the motorsport community. Uh, Obviously, you've been commentating a lot of late, um, coming to the end of the year. Um, What do you love about commentating? Well, it's always been what I've, I've loved most of all. It's and it really comes back to my childhood love of cars, and then the talent that I discovered in my early high school years for public speaking. So, you know, doing the, the commentary thing, it's always been part of who I am and what I do. So, commentating motorsport, I don't think it's something that I'll ever stop doing. Fantastic. And what kind of categories are you doing at the moment? So at the moment, the main categories and events that I'm commentating, the AMRS, the Australian Motor Racing Series, which is part of the the Benalla Auto Club, um, and, and yeah, other events that Winton has required. So on the weekend, I, I did the commentary for the Winton Formula Festival for Glenline TV on the live stream, which was a lot of fun. I haven't done quite so much supercar stuff this year, unfortunately, and again, this is one of the things that COVID affected, but I, I feel like it was probably heading in that direction. It used to be that at Supercars events, you would have two separate commentary teams. You would have a television commentary team yeah. calling the racing for the Fox Sports or the Channel 7 coverage, but then you would have a separate big screen slash on-track commentary team which would call the events and the races for the spectators at the circuit on the trackside PA system and and typically also broadcast on an FM frequency as well. But with COVID and with the fact that there were some events that didn't have a lot of spectators, they moved towards getting rid of the the two separate teams. And um, nowadays they just take the TV commentary feed and they pipe that through the PA system at the track, which I get why they've made that decision. Obviously, there's less money to be spent when you only have to employ one set of commentators and and not two, but it is a shame because I feel like it has taken away opportunities for quite a few people. Well, hopefully it's getting restructured soon, so (laughs) they might come back. Uh, So, look, we always encourage um, our motorsport athletes to get in contact with their category commentator um, to give them their latest profile and information. Um, What kind of information do you like to receive or how do you like to receive it or how do you um, research into the drivers that are competing in the categories that you commentate? 
Yeah, so I try and do as much research as I can on drivers who I'm not familiar with, and I'll do that by typically turning up the day before the event and going through a wander through the paddock and just talking to people, talking to people. I'll walk through the pits with my my notebook and pen and I'll, I'll chat to people and I'll take notes. But don't underestimate the value of making the effort to reach out to commentators with information, be it a, a driver profile that lists your achievements in racing or maybe some background information on the car that you're driving as well. Because if you do put in the effort to, to reach out to the commentator with that sort of information, chances are they will talk about you. Again, if you make our job as easy for us as it can be, then we will appreciate that and we'll reciprocate. So that's uh, that's definitely a piece of advice that I can give to drivers, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. And how can people learn more about um, Trek and Flag Media? I always feel like saying Trek and Media. <laughs> um, yeah, so my website's cfmedia.com.au. Um, also, obviously, myself as Lockie Mansell, I've got all of my social media channels, which... Um, Instagram's probably the the main one, but again, it's not necessarily just motorsport stuff that gets posted on it these days. It's a variety of different content, so make sure you give me a follow. Why not? And um, have you started planning what 2023 is going to look like for you? Is there any more surprises, more reality TV, more opportunities within motorsports, external to motorsports? Um, yeah, stay tuned. I think <laughs> one of the things I've already talked about, the value of racing drivers engaging a a media or a PR person to represent them, but I've actually engaged a manager to represent me as well. So Kylie Green and her team at the Lime Agency handle uh, a lot of my uh, public appearances and and that sort of thing now and, you know, negotiate brand deals for me with my social media platforms. So I actually have reached that stage where I've got my own professional representation now as well. So, yeah, there's always things being worked on. So stay tuned. Wow. Well, I'll definitely be following you. And so, guys, I highly recommend that you head over and follow Lockie over on Instagram. Also, check out his services at Checker Flag Media. You've given us lots of great tips about getting started and how to help improve um, their profiles and getting more exposure. So, I thank you for that. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us today? Um, I, I think probably just to, to finish up, and this is advice for everyone in the motorsport industry would be to not have tunnel vision. I think that, again, it is a niche sport and Peter Addison, love him or hate him because he can be very outspoken, but people who are coming up with creative and innovative ideas to expand the sport beyond the hardcore fans, that's what we need to be able to grow the sport. And sometimes it might mean that we have to do something that's, you know, a little bit different or a little bit out there. And and the example is that Kyle and Jackie are not really interested in motorsport, not really across the sport at all, but I still managed to get a bit of exposure for the Supercars Championship last year and it meant that I had to ask Chaz Mostert after one of the Sydney Motorsport Park night races a uh, very a question with very sexual connotations, but it works because I got the audio grabbed from Chaz and, and it got played on the Kyle and Jackie O show. So 
you know, coming up with creative and sometimes weird and wacky ideas to, to generate coverage for the sport. I think that's what we, we sometimes need to do to be able to grow the sport beyond its traditional fan base. Yeah, and you mentioned before about being unique and having standing out. So anything that's kind of different and that true to value, um, we would love to see. Well, Lucky, thank you very much for joining us again on the Most Sport Coaching Podcast. Love you, the journey that you're on so far. I'm so excited to see where you come from to where you are now, and I'm loving watching your growth as a person and um, can't wait to see where you're going to end up and what 2023 is going to bring for you. So I wish you all the very best. Can't wait to see you around the track, and we'll catch up soon. Awesome, Belinda. Thanks for having me. Well, thanks, everyone, for listening to this week's show. I really hope you enjoyed that one as much as I did. Now, remember, all the show notes with the links and the specials mentioned in today's show are available over at motivatetraining.com.au. If you haven't already, I'd really appreciate if you could head to iTunes or Stitcher, type in Motorsport Coaching, subscribe, and leave us a review. Each week, I'll read them out, and you'll go into monthly draw to win a fantastic prize. If you have any questions or comments, please email us at motivatetraining.com.au or head over to our Facebook page at Motivate to Team. Until next time, take care.